the smash drama never ends. The former CEO, sort of, of Panda Global, Alan Bunny, or Bunny, I guess is how you say it, uh, was recently on a show being interviewed as well as doing a Q&A about this whole Smash World Tour, Nintendo, Panda Global, kerfuffle, Ludwig is in the, the mix and the hungry box and, you know, everything, everybody's got something to say, but we're here to dissect everything that was said from a much less, I, I guess, invested point of view. We don't have relationships with these people, so it removes certain biases. So as two, like, avid Smash fans looking at this from the outside in, we're here to take you on a bit of a journey to understand just went wrong, what went wrong here, and to um, break down the whole call for you. Uh, so this is We the People, your favorite Nintendo podcast. My name is Michael Cottrell. I'm joined here by my twin brother Matthew. Say hello to the folks. Hello, yeah, hey. Uh, I was I was gonna say, you know, what what is this a sequel to Kung Fu Panda? Because we got a, a panda fight on our hands. Kung Fu Panda Two is actually a really great movie. If you haven't seen it, folks, <laughs> love watching that with my kids. That, that they're all great movies and you know i i think uh, uh, uh what was i gonna say i'm just really happy they're making a fourth one which dreamworks is just crushing it lately you know puss in boots the tease into the next trek it's all great but we're not here to talk about that we're here to talk about some smash drama yeah we we, we eat it up not really but you know the, the, the reason we're making this show is not necessarily because we want to um you know, garner the clicks and and get in on the action while everybody's, uh, while it's the talk of the town. That's partially it. <laughs> like, definitely click on this video. But uh, the other purpose is that, like, I hear, I keep hearing these conversations happen, and I don't know if it's because people have been in the scene uh, for 20, 20 years and they they like know these people and it like clouds their judgment. But looking at this at the outside in, we just see this entirely differently from uh, most other people, and I think that's going to produce an interesting discussion because uh, you know on Twitter it's mob rule and the mob has decided, but here we're going to get. A little more intricate so let's jump right in i'm gonna go go down the claims and the new information that alan provided via q a slash interview and we're gonna just kind of handle them in sections we start with why work with nintendo our our guy ludwig the um charismatic uh guy with brown here i, I don't really know much about him <laughs> i could be honest i think it's blonde um, hair actually well maybe whatever. it is brown i don't know he uh, he threw a couple Smash events this year. That's awesome. Uh, love that for him and his brand of uh, being like a philanthrop- philanthropist or whatever. He's he's doing the the kind of mini Mister Mister Beast thing. Um, very cool. In his uh, in one of his segments where he was covering this drama, he was saying you know the mistake that Alan made was bending the knee to Nintendo, and i i i just gotta throw out this is such a goofball take this is like premium goofery (laughs) and let me tell you why peak this already happened with vgbc like five years ago so how are you gonna blame alan for working with nintendo but also do a fundraiser for vgbc who like previously worked for nintendo let me take you back to 2015 there was this really cool mod called project m it was exploding everybody loved it honestly it was better than smash 4 is better than brawl at least in the competitive uh circuit it had you know just incredible design especially when you could consider it's a mod nintendo hates that the mod exists and so they started uh, clamping down things on twitch and clamping down things on um 
on everybody else, but they extended an olive branch. They're like, hey, Smash 4 is coming out. You want Nintendo logos in some of your events? And everybody took the deal. And so, like, you know, this this wasn't really a, a revelatory piece of, like, I can't believe Alan would work with Nintendo with their history with the community. Oh, my goodness. Meanwhile, Smash World Tour was pursuing the same exact deal. They were just doing it backwards where they're like, hey, we're going to announce it and then ask for permission. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just primo, primo goofball take. But Alan's retort to this was that Nintendo's attitude toward tournaments was changing anyway, that they felt that going forward, any commercial activity, meaning all tournaments that are trying to make money, which is all of them, uh, would need a commercial license from Nintendo to uh, keep operating in the way that they do. I don't know if that's true or not. Smash World Tour seems to back up that claim with some of the stuff that they said in their statement. But Matthew, what do you make of of uh, of this take of like bending the knee to Nintendo? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's ridiculous. And, and I'm a fan of Ludwig. I think it's really cool that even though he's become, you know, an internet drama guy, an internet comedian, whatever, whatever he is, just an internet personality in general, you know, I just think it's really cool that he's never forgotten about Smash because Smash is where he started. He used to be a competitor in Melee and... Um, I just think it's really cool that he's never forgotten about his roots and has always put on for the smash scene. Like, I think in a lot of ways, he's a really cool guy for that. Um, but I, I think it's a ridiculous take. And, and like you said, the, the, the irony is that VGBC was, they were kind of the first ones to do that. You know, they used project M to really help establish their platform on YouTube. If I'm not mistaken, that's kind of what helped put them on the map in the first place. And so it, it, it's just ironic because Project M was so big for them. And the minute Gimmer got a sniff of a collaboration with Nintendo, you know, he snapped his fingers like Thanos and Project M was gone. You know, they started taking all of their content down on YouTube. And so, I mean, you know, in the same vein, Gimmer essentially started this trend. You know, it's kind of like in the NBA where everybody blames Kevin Durant for, you know, how are you going to leave the thunder and, and jump to a team that's loaded when LeBron James is actually the, the, player that kind of started that trend you know he he went to the Miami Heat and Dwayne Wade was only there but they collaborated with Chris Bosh to come there as well so you know it's one of those things like you know he kind of started it so you, you know if, if you're gonna blame one you gotta blame the other and so you know it, it's just all of this is very ironic because we've painted Panda in such a bad light when a lot of the the things that they're getting criticized for I think VGBC is also at fault here you know yeah, and I think everybody wants the reality where there's better relations with Nintendo. Because regardless of how you feel about it, and like, you know, both Hungrybox and, and Ludwig are putting out this like this thing that's like really cool for like rallying for Twitch subs or whatever, but like doesn't make sense when you take it to its logical conclusion. Like we, we it, it's always been grassroots, we gotta keep it grassroots. It's like no, like it like it's it's been grassroots, but the only world in which Smash tournaments continue to exist at a commercial scale is that Nintendo is okay with it. That's it. Like, the legal limitations of Let's Plays and esports have not been tested. And who knows? Maybe Smash tournaments want to be the ones that, like, put that into law. But it has never been tested. The, the legality of all of that stuff is pretty much in the fact that it is mutually beneficial, and Nintendo understands this. If people are playing Melee, okay, whatever, you know, they're maybe they'll buy Ultimate. 
you know, there's a tertiary benefit of that. And, you know, they don't want all the bad PR of like coming down too hard on melee. Uh, when it comes to ultimate, they are, um, you know, of course, like this helps them a ton. They, they partnered with pro players to promote each new game. And like, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of, uh, mutual benefits to be had from every party involved. And that's why this goes on the way that it does. Now, some publishers like Riot Games or Capcom will actually have their own publisher circuits. And, you know, that's awesome. But Nintendo, while they have played footsie with that idea, and I think they've probably had meetings about it, they're not jumping in yet. And, you know, at this point, they're probably not going to, but we'll we'll get to that. Um... But yeah, there, there's like this has always existed in a legal gray area. So there's no world in which you could just say like middle finger to Nintendo. We're going to have our slippy ranked online matches like, you know, and and really like most of the time, the only hard line they've drawn so far is like no mods, you know, and Nintendo does not want people to know that modding your switch or downloading Dolphin is a thing that you can do. <laughs> And like, I get it, you know, I, I think, I think they're being a little overzealous, but like, you know, this, this is something that, uh, that, that they have like, they have ordained. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll interject here and say this too. I, I think you can, you can say from the standpoint of, of it, you know, as it pertains to melee, it's a little ridiculous only because this is a game that they do not still sell or, or actively produce anymore and haven't for years and years. Um, it's not something that they've chosen to ever resell on any of their platforms like Virtual Console or the eShop or anything like that. So um, from that standpoint, you could say, oh, it's a little ridiculous, but we, we have to understand that Nintendo is a very conservative company. They've been around for a very long time and they're very particular about how their IP is handled. And so, you know, the thing is, is that people have to understand that collaboration is key, but also keep in mind that Nintendo has always been an extremely conservative company. And while that makes collaboration more difficult, at the end of the day, Nintendo could shut all of this down if they really wanted to. If they really wanted to make a muck about it and and just be the boogeyman, so to speak, like they, they could have all of this wiped out of existence in the blink of an eye. And, and, and they don't. What you know, as it pertains to like VGBC with the whole Smash World Tour, for example, you know, I thought Alan brought up something interesting that you and I mentioned on the last episode that we did about this. And you know, if you're interested, we still have that video up. Feel free to check that out. But you know, you used to make Minecraft videos for a uh, for some contractors, um, and you know, when you made these Minecraft videos, you guys all got a notice from Mojang saying, take Minecraft out of the title. And, and you know, one of the things I think Alan brought up in this is that, you know, one thing that hurt VGBC, or I don't know if it was Alan that brought it up, but the fact that they had Smash in the title, it conveys the idea that this is a, a thing that Nintendo is putting together. This is coming from Nintendo themselves. And just to kind of tie this all together, the conservative nature of Nintendo you know, we, we've highlighted things that, that they um, address to VGBC, such as health and safety concerns. And, you know, we don't have to go over all the stuff that happened in the scene over the last couple of years as far as younger people being abused. But you think about that from Nintendo's standpoint, if our name essentially is on this product and we're serving that up and then something like this happens and a bunch of large publications like IGN and Kotaku are writing articles about how this Super Smash Bros. tournament 
you know, uh, minors were abused here. That That's not a good press for Nintendo. And so, again, like, I think collaboration is necessary, but we have to understand that they're not just going to let anything fly, and they're really particular about how they're portrayed as a company and how their IP is represented. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to some of those bombshells there, but um, but let's let's rewind a little bit to what was the point of Panda involving themselves with Nintendo? What was the point of the license? Uh, besides this whole like spooky scare of like, oh no, Nintendo's going to start shutting down every tournament, uh, because you know we'll, we'll see if that happens. I I don't know if that's going to. I I have my doubts, but like you know, also if Nintendo started being more aggressive, like. Neither case would surprise me, but it would be really annoying for Nintendo to like constantly C and D all these like mom and pop tournaments. So anyway, um, Panda was trying to bring more money into the scene, more sustainability into the scene. They had uh, done it with a lot more money. Like VGBC is very much like a kind of like a mom and pop sort of thing. BTS seems to have more resources, but Panda was coming in with investors and they had uh, a team of like 20 to 40 people they were working with a a bunch of contractors to bring other stuff and they had their team full of like bts people full of vgbc people like they had um they kind of had the goods in a lot of business respects the big bombshell here that i think is is incredibly interesting is really when we're talking about like dollars dollars and cents which like in the call this gets glazed over nobody seems to care about like just the disparity in in what panda was going to bring to the scene to uh as opposed to everybody else but you know i think that sort of undergirds the whole uh feeling toward them that it's you know it's more of like a character thing than a um you know an actual like good or bad thing for the scene panda had done uh two million dollars in ad sales for their finale within like like while they were gearing up for it and starting to try and get people onto the circuit. And uh, the most money smash tournaments had made from brand deals uh, apart from that was like the $15,000 Papa John's deal. And if you remember that from BTS, it's like, man, Papa John's was everywhere. Like it, every break and, you know, there were a lot of deliverables for that. And Panda within a few months of, of them properly entering the scene had done $40,000 uh, in, in like a similar brand deal that had much less deliverables. So it seems like they had the goods, which before that BTS was bringing a lot more of that, like money and structure into the scene. But, um, but yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, unless Alan's making up the numbers or embellishing things, like it sounds like he kind of had the goods, the, the biggest bombshell being that they, um, with the Nintendo license, those ad deals went from like, oh, you know, have a Papa John's gamer ad to like, hey, we can have a Papa John's ad and like have Mario in it. You know, you can leverage Nintendo IP because we have an agreement with Nintendo. And it's like, wow, that well, that sure adds a couple zeros onto things. Um, so that's huge. And I think like besides you literally having to have a good relationship with Nintendo for these to exist in the first place. sounds like the, the relationship would be pretty beneficial. That, that's the thing. I think that, like you said, it, it's funny that this is something nobody talks about, you know, for, for all the things, you know, all the, the questions that were being asked from hungry box, from Ludwig, from everyone involved. It just seems that everybody glosses over the fact that this was creating more streams of revenue. This was making the smash scene profitable. And that's something it hasn't been, you know, you and I have laughed about this all the time, but we always talk about how zero and smash four 
won, I think, 150 straight tournaments, something, some, like, absurd number like that, and probably walked home with 50 grand in earnings for the entire year. It was, it was 30 think, grand. Oh, was it? Okay. I thought it was, I thought it was around 50 when I checked, but it, yeah, you're probably right. But then you think that that's money you have to pay taxes on too, if I'm not mistaken, you know, cause that's essentially, you know, it's, it's, you're not getting Yeah. And depending money. on whether he was sponsored or not, you take, it's not taking into account room and board and travel and all that stuff. So yeah, I mean, there, there's like virtually no money in, in smash and that's why everybody pivoted to content. Well, and, and all I was going to say is, I mean, it, it's just, the thing is, is I think Smash really was on the verge of becoming a major esport, you know, and it's always been extremely popular. It just hasn't had the support from Nintendo and, and you know, all the, the ad part or the um, commercialized partnerships you can get from that. And I think that's what's really hurt the scene, you know, and it's funny because Smash players, I remember Hungrybox in particular you know, it's funny that he didn't address this at all because he, I think one time he made a tweet that went viral about a tournament he won and he got $25 in a GameCube controller or something ridiculous like that. But, you know, Panda was making moves. You know, li- listen, they're not not at fault here. They made plenty of mistakes. I understand why the community's upset with them, but I just think they had the right frame of mind as far as how they were going about conducting business. And, and I think that's what Smash was missing is people who understood dealings and, and how to work deals and, and create streams of revenue as it pertains to the community. And so, you know, I, I think in comparison with VGBC, they, they really seemed like they tried to circumvent the process in a lot of ways, whereas Panda had been working on this for years. And so, you know, it, it's, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, and you can probably speak to this a little bit more, but I know that, um, they were even talking about ideas where they were going to have Nintendo IP appear in um, advertisements, you know, which think of the money that that would bring in. I mean, that would be enormous. You know, once you start putting Mario in a Papa John's commercial or Little Caesars or whatever they were going to do, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it, it's it's crazy to think of the possibilities there that, that they had coming. Yeah, and, and what he was saying next was, where this like protection racket sort of um, comes in where Alan was saying that he wanted to be a barrier between Nintendo and the community. It's like, okay, dude, <laughs> just, I don't believe your motives at all. Like, like that doesn't make sense. Like we'll take the hit so you can be you. It's like, no, I, I don't, I don't buy that at all. I think he did want to consolidate. I think he did want to build a business. Cause I mean, like he was investor backed, like he had, he was borrowing other people's money and he had to deliver on that. Um, or let Panda be swallowed up. And so, I mean, that's the risk in borrowing money. And so, um, so yeah, he, he was, he, while he was saying that there were plenty of events that got licensed with Nintendo that weren't affiliated with Panda, these being Genesis, Low Tide City, Riptide and Shine. And, um, so while there is that protection racket claim, I, I do believe that Alan was probably implying that like, you know, Nintendo was going to start shutting down events, which depending on how you want to read it is either him running a protection racket or it's him warning them of the things to come, you know, depending on how honest you think Alan's being, you, I think you could land at either um, conclusion, but, but yeah, I mean, it's uh I don't know, Matthew, what do you, do you think that, that Alan was uh, threatening people or like try, 
kind of like hinting like, hey, if you don't jump on with Panda, you're probably going to get canned. No, I don't. I And see, that's where I think it's probably a little overblown. I think Alan was probably very pushy because I know he referenced a conversation. I think it was with BTS when this all first started and, and saying, you know, he got to the point where he was yelling, why won't you all just work with me? And I think that's where Alan comes off as a little controlling because, you know, nobody has to work with you. Nobody has to collaborate with you as far as, you know, investing more into the Panda cup but i don't think he really was to the point of of threatening people i know people have claimed that and so i don't want to undermine that and say it didn't happen but i think what what's probably you know there's always uh the truth is always conveniently placed between two lies and i think really what what the truth is here is that alan was probably just saying what he thought which is that hey they're probably going to get shut down. They haven't gone through proper channels. They haven't gone about this the right way from the jump. They have the word smash in the name of their circuit, which again, back to the whole Nintendo being conservative thing, that's not going to fly. Just like having Minecraft in the title of a playthrough doesn't fly with Mojang. So I, I just think that's probably what Alan, and, and maybe he, he, you know, came off a certain way when he was saying this as arrogant or, or demonstrative, but I think that's probably what, he was trying to tell people is that, look, I don't think they're going to be around. Uh, you know, you you might want to invest in this instead. And and listen, at the end of the day, Alan can talk about how, you know, like he, he never really did this for the money. At the end of the day, we're adults. We work for a living. I, I don't buy any of that. That's where I think he's being a little silly, even saying he's never spent any of the money he's gotten from this. It's like, yeah, well, you and I run a business. I mean, you, you, you know, you invest back in what you make until you get to a certain point. But, um, you know, I, I think oh, I had a point that I was going to say about this and it totally escaped me. Um, I'll come back. That's okay. to it, we'll, probably, you, yeah. we'll probably get back to this because you're, um, yeah, I mean, uh, that was one of the, the sort of bombshells that Alan had, uh, had described. He was, um, he said Nintendo basically had three rules that they had told a bunch of people up front, no mods, no smash in the name of your event and don't make a circuit. Um, that obviously is going to, um, kind of bake in here where before that he was he was being asked like it seemed like he knew that smash world tour was going to get shut down and so um what alan knew is that nintendo didn't really like smash world tour they didn't really like the way that they were running their smaller events and that they were unlicensed and yada 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 uh alan allegedly advocated for um not shutting vgbc events down along with smash world tour I think that's a 50-50 toss. I think, like, you know, he sees that it would be bad for Nintendo for them to cancel an event because it's just going to bring a bunch of bad PR. And, you know, no it, big businesses don't like bad PR. And even, like, Panda was trying to run this as, like, a big boy business. Like, you know, they just avoid bad PR at all costs. And uh, which explains the, the, the weird statement that Panda initially had. It's like companies try and dodge this whole like thing. They don't like to get involved with it. They, you know, if money's not changing hands, they're not really interested. Uh, but, but yeah, so the, the, the uh, smash world tour corroborates this in, in a way saying that they came to be known at Nintendo as quote, the guys who launched without a license and quote, which I mean, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Now, now the weird thing gets in where, Alan was uh, was 
going to different tournaments and trying to get them to sign on to Panda Cup. And he says at one point, Nintendo wouldn't let unlicensed events into the Panda Cup. And then there was a point where Nintendo lifted that restriction. I don't know if that's because no one was signing on. I don't know if that distinction ever happened. But um, but that is a weird little bug in all of this. Yeah, I, well, I, I do remember what I, I wanted to say now. I was going to say um, with all the stuff pertaining to Alan and and especially or essentially speaking ill of his, um, you know, peers uh, or, or other tournament organizers or, um, you know, making it seem like like, you, you know, they should side with Panda versus VGBC or go with them. Um, I think what he was essentially trying to do too is is what i was saying as far as him wanting to make money out of this is at the end of the day like like you want what's best for the scene overall but you're still trying to help the thing it is that you're trying to build and so of course you're going to try and sell people on what you're trying to do as as, as opposed to them going with a competitive circuit you know or or a competitor to you you know it's like if you're selling uh you know one brand of alarm system you're gonna try and speak to why you should go with yours versus the competitors you know and i think that's essentially how alan went about this and you know a lot of times in business people will kind of talk down on what it is the the uh competitive product or service is and that's probably what he did in this case is that he was probably saying well you know they're they're not going to be around trying to um get people or incentivize them to want to you know invest in panda instead and so i i think that's probably how he went about all of this and, and maybe he didn't do it in the best way but i i think that's probably what his intentions were yeah i i'm not gonna speak too much on his intentions i think you know there's a point at which he wants the scene to thrive in general and there's a point at which he sees the advantage in becoming the number one player in the smash scene um so Nintendo talked to Smash World Tour before they launched. So obviously you see where like this that that's where like these these three rules that Alan talked about either uh VGBC is really stubborn and um not willing to like budge which I don't based on their actions I could believe or these rules are kind of coming from nowhere or, you know, Nintendo for some reason didn't tell them this up front. Uh but they were in talks before they launched Smash World Tour. And, uh, you know, obviously launching before you got the license was not going to end well. They thought they felt that like they had no other choice. I'm like, dude, just delay the event or cancel it like in May instead of two weeks before it happens. But, you know, um, I think VGBC I mean, would it really have been a big deal if they just did a late version of that later in 2023. I mean, would it have really impacted anything that much? I mean, I guess you can't say it's the the end of the year to, you know, as far as contributing to the the world's rankings as as far as the 2022 season goes, but you know at the end of the day it's it's you you got to you, you can't be particular when it comes to this sort of thing. Obviously there were a bunch of different routes that VGBC could have taken, but the one that they did take was probably the riskiest in terms of uh the legality of their you know, relationship with Nintendo. And, you know, once you ring the bell of like, we're, we're going to work with Nintendo, it's hard to unring that bell. And, you know, you don't get the license that you want. So they're like, Oh, Nintendo, are you cool with us? Just like doing everything without the license? <laughs> like, no, <laughs> of course they're not. Um, but you know, it, it, it begs the question of like, why launch without Nintendo's blessing? Um, 
you know, I VGBC used to be the number one smash stream slash channel and they used to wear it like a badge of honor. I mean, they, they used to be like pretty much the only one, but like, you know, they, they used to wear like a badge of honor. They, they outlasted clash tournaments and you know, they partially because they, uh, they dropped project M as soon as they could. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I think there's, there's probably a little bit of jealousy there. You know, it, what the, the undercurrent of all of this is that, uh, the VGBC guys and the Panda guys never talked, which I find very interesting. And I think there's probably bad blood there or, you know, like that sense of like, Oh, we're all in the smash team. We're all friends. is like, not as, not as true as, as people like to make it seem, uh, no communication there, which I get it. Like from the outside, it looks like, you know, big, big money Allen rolling in, just being a big meanie to everyone and coming in with his money and buying everything out. It's like, yeah, that, that, that probably has the air of like it looking like it sucks. And, you know, unfortunately we exist in a world where the guy with the most money typically wins. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know vgbc losing their number one spot and and having this up like you know they started the whole circuit idea during covid and you know they did it without nintendo's blessing now they're trying to retroactively do that probably in part because panda has a nintendo license so they're like why can't we have a nintendo license and so i think a lot of what they did was in response to panda finding so much success and them wanting to exceed uh obviously their competitors they had a bigger prize pool which obviously looks better at you know it's i think they were trying to compete and they they risked it and they they did not get the biscuit um and so the the questions i'm left with as far as they're concerned, however, is why they couldn't change their name or postpone the event. It was, you know, it seems like they're with conversations with Nintendo. There's probably a way a way out of this, and um, you know, that's that's where uh, things are kind of kind of interesting. But um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on. There, there was there was this light thing that Alan tried to buy tournaments out, and it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, he's going to fund the events up front, do profit sharing and insurance and bonus opportunities, run an analyst desk, a side stream. Like these were good deals for people who, you know, were running events that either broke even or didn't or lost the money or like didn't make them much money. Like you know, it was pretty like it was just adding more stability and and whatnot. And to do that, like yeah, they need to take a, a chunk of the profits. Um, didn't seem like most people were into doing that. And that's, that's totally fine. You know, I don't think anybody's upset about that. Uh, there, and, and just like going through some of these questions that like, just aren't even they're they're worth addressing, but they're not worth discussing. Alan is still the CEO. Technically people are like, are, have you divested your shares yet? Alan? And it's like, dude, you like, how do you, how do you think this works? Someone has to want to buy it. And who would want to buy a CEO spot or like buy all of his shares out inside of a esports team that's currently under attack by a hate mob where all the players just left. There's no structure and esports as a general business is on the downward decline in the middle of an economic recession. Those shares are not going anywhere. Like, sorry, like he, he couldn't, he couldn't leave if he wanted to, which I don't know if he wants to secretly stay or whatever, but like, you know, yeah, it's not going to happen, guys. Like, if like no one wa wants that, be a really dumb financial decision. It's just like, hey, do you want to buy this company that that's like on the decline and might not exist in a year? Sure. 
Um, yeah, I feel I feel like they would have to change the name and completely rebrand rebrand it in order for yeah, something the, the like name, that to happen. The name is the name is his Smashboards name. He used to be Samurai Panda on Smashboards. Like it's it's attached to him. You can't just take him out. It's like anyway, um very dumb. Like yeah, guys, like at some point you have to like learn how money works if you want the Smash scene to have money. Um the uh, Gimmer accusation that that he made that like uh, they shut down the Smash World tour just to like appear more sympathetic and you know is this like last gambit um, that was always kind of goofy. Alan retorts that he he believes Nintendo when Nintendo says they didn't have to shut down this year. He was under the impression that Smash World tour is just going to run unlicensed this year and like that was going to be the end of it. How true that is or not is up to you to decide. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I'm sure VGBC was afraid of legal action and they had already put so much money into hosting that event and they they pulled out to, to not have bad losses or a run in with Nintendo. You know, one might wonder why they launched without Nintendo's go ahead if they were afraid of this situation. But I digress. You know, that's the, that's the big elephant in the room. We're just like, but why, you know? And, and like, you know, what they would probably say is like, oh, it's just like all for the community. And it's like, I, I don't know, man, I don't, I don't think gambling with the the community's relationship with Nintendo is, is a great idea. But it's um, a good point. But yeah, I mean, uh, so the, the question then came up, why was Smash World Tour hearing positive things? while Panda was hearing negative things about their Smash World Tour things. We covered this in our last show. Uh, Devin Nash did a, a breakdown of this, like, way before any any of us, like, talked on it. Like, they probably just had different contacts. It sounds like Panda had known someone that was higher up, and Smash World Tour was just talking to, like, you know, just, like, the difference between, like, a BDR and an account executive. Like, there, there's just different levels to, like decision makers inside of a corporation, especially a corporation as conservative as Nintendo. It sounds like Panda had way more access, which you can just see the evidence of with them getting licensed and, you know, all that stuff. Like they were a newcomer to the scene and they got licensed. Honestly, them being a newcomer, not being associated with, with the more grimy parts of the smash scene is probably what got them licensed a lot faster. Um, but then we get into the health and safety concern. Alan was asked in the Q and a, uh, does he know what specific health and safety concern there was for the smash world tour? Alan says he does, but he doesn't want to speak specifically on it. I, I don't know, dude, like if you're going to break open all this stuff on everything, why stop here? But I, I do think there could be veracity to this claim. Um, you know, there is this whole, kerfuffle that actually happened you know about a week or two, like two or three weeks before smash world tour got shut down where there was this whole drama about them not having nairo band and this guy snuck into one of the vgbc events with like a big sign and it was like just a whole thing and obviously nintendo wants nothing to do with any of that they do not want the name nairo to come up in their their tournaments they like they don't you know i think i think that's the only thing that they they hate more than mods i'll put it that way and um but yeah i, I don't you know do you think alan knows the real reason or is he just trying to rub it into vgbc oh no i i think he he definitely does i mean to be honest i think if we're we're being truthful with ourselves i think we all know what the the issue is because if you look at how VGBCs ran uh, a lot of their tournaments, they always have 
really strict health and safety protocols in place as far as, you know, I think there was a bunch of tournaments where you couldn't even go to if you weren't vaccinated against against COVID, which I don't even know if that's legal, to be honest. But, you know, that's a conversation for another time. But, you know, they, they still had strict mask policies, um, which, you know, if you look at the rest of the country, that hasn't been a thing for quite some time now. And so they had really strict protocols in place when it came to, you know, certain things. And so when you, when you see that they Nintendo has still highlighted health and safety concerns, again, uh, us, you know, reiterating the point that Nintendo is extremely conservative. They're not just going to come out and address this and bring a uh, reshed light on this horrible situation that happened. And, and, you know, again, like Nintendo is really conservative about how their image is portrayed. And so the last thing they want is a bunch of large publications like IGN and Kotaku writing about how minors were abused in their scene, especially from a circuit that uses their game's title in the title of the circuit, because then that conveys to the casual person that this is something Nintendo put together. And then at that point, that affects the sales of, of Nintendo products because then some parent who doesn't know anything about Smash might be looking at this and just saying, wow, Nintendo put this together and they had this kind of crap go on? Like, no. No, I'm not I'm not just, uh, associating my myself or my family with that anymore. So, yeah, I, 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 th- I definitely think Alan is aware of this. And, and even when it was brought up to, uh, you know, the whole um, back and forth with him and that guy, Ken, from BTS, you even pointed this out, and I thought it was a really good point, that Ken addressed every issue Alan brought up except that. And I think that's extremely telling because he was very particular and specific about addressing every other point except for that one. And let's say VGBC has, you know, their relationship with Nintendo is ruined. Um, because like, let's, let's assume for a moment that this is true, that there is like this one safety concern that was just the deal breaker. If you're VGBC, do you come out to the community and say like, sorry guys, we really goofed this up, you know, through this goofy situation that we just took up the wrong stance on. Or do you say, Ooga Booga, look, it's Nintendo, get him. <laughs> you know, you do the latter because the latter gives you more self-preservation favor with the community, you know, the, like, so, so yeah, I mean, it, I don't know how true this is or like what sort of safety concern is, but VGBC has like no reason to clear this up. And that's why they haven't, you know, they, maybe we'll never know, but uh, like, it's it, the timing is strange. Like a lot of this happened around the same time. Uh, the last question that, that happened on there was uh, an absolute waste of time, courtesy of hungry box, uh, you know, Sorry, sorry, buddy, but this was just dumb. He said that he had a call with Alan and Alan was basically saying that Melee content wasn't as profitable and didn't see as much of a future in it as ultimate content. And, uh, you know, the reason I, I ascribe this as a clown question is because like hungry box, my, my brother in Christ, when's the last time you made a Melee video? I mean, like I, I clicked on his channel and like, I think like, 15 out of the 16 videos he had on there didn't have anything to do with melee. Like, you know, he mostly streams ultimate. He hosts an ultimate tournament. Like he, he is, he is a smash ultimate content creator who competes in melee melee tournaments. And it's like, uh, and you know, to the, to the greater point, because there, there are people like mango who, you know, stay purely on melee, but there's, you know, you compare it to like some of the ultimate content creators, um, and it's just like, it's, it's no contest, you know, like 
zero got to a million subscribers pretty fast doing like smash four content, you know, like, um, uh, you look at not very good um, content either. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like none of this stuff is like necessarily high art, but it's just, there's so much more in ultimate. There's a million different characters. People are really mad about Steve. There's a meta that's still developing. There's like, you know, it's not 20 years old. Like there there's, and, and granted this has been in the most, hype and interesting year of melee in a very long time. I mean, Yoshi won a couple majors link won a major before the end of the year. Like this is a, a very exciting year for melee and we're just not, you know, we're just not getting there. Um, this was also con- confirmed by uh, Kony, one of the, the Panda employees, where he said that they tried Melee content in that sort of, you know, the Panda channel that they had that made the videos that I didn't really like very much. You know, I, I wasn't a fan of it, but people watched it. And the Melee content that they tried just did not perform as well. So, like, they have real data on that. So, like, you know, it, it, I like Melee more than Ultimate. I think it's a better game, but, like, dude... If you think that Melee has such a content future, why are you making videos about everything else? I was about to say, like, not, not to interrupt, but Hungrybox has that same data, which is why there's a clear disparity in the type of content he he makes for his YouTube channel that panders way more to Ultimate than Melee. I mean, look at his weekly coin box. Th- those are online tournaments for Ultimate, and, and uh, Ultimate's netcode is terrible. It's something we make fun of all the time, but he's not doing the same thing for, for Melee and Slippy, at least to my knowledge. Yeah, I, I just think when, I, when Hungrybox said that, all I could think of is that meme where somebody He's dressed up as a clown and there's a guy with a clown nose and he says your nose sir you know to, to put on his face to finish the the costume because it's just like like the irony man i mean and, and you and i say this all the time like like how you just said melee is our favorite smash game i i think melee especially competitively there's nothing on planet earth like it it, it is so extremely hyped it's intense it's it's so much fun to watch and um, you know, I, I think Ultimate's a fun game too. I pay attention heavily to the Ultimate competitive scene as well, but it's nothing like Melee. And and but but at the end of the day, like I can still be objective and acknowledge that there's nothing gain nothing to gain, at least not a lot to gain from a 20 year old game that we know everything about at this point. You know, and and I saw some people like Hugs pointed out that there's some melee content creators that have a lot of subscribers, like Ludvik's, for example. And I love Ludvik's YouTube channel. I think he makes really funny content. If you notice though, he posts a video once in a blue moon. If he was making as many ultimate videos as Panda was making, I, I don't think you would see the same kind of traction or his channel would not see that. And I think even the last time I checked, I mean, I think the more and more he posts, the less and less his channel gets. And and I think it's just, again, it's as time goes on, Melee's just a game. We've been there and we've done that. And like you said, all sorts of new things are happening in the competitive scene. But I think to the casual YouTube viewer, that's just not something that's going to interest them as much. Yeah, and I I mean, I think... On YouTube, you could make anything work if you scale it properly and you're making the right kind of content and it's hitting the right niche. Like I, I know people who, uh, what was that Fire Emblem game? Uh, who is that guy? Um, Fire Emblem Heroes. There, there was a guy who was like exclusively making Fire Emblem Heroes videos. Like that's that's all he was doing is for for this this uh, this one game, and he's at uh, three hundred fifty seven thousand subscribers. Like he, you know, like you can make it work 
there's a lot of Fire Emblem channels, actually, and Fire Emblem is an incredibly niche franchise compared to Super Smash Brothers or Mario or whatever the case. Like, you can make it work. I don't think he was saying that, that like, you know, Melee just can't succeed as content. And the, the PG Stats videos they did on Melee were great, and they performed, like, pretty much in line with with what the ultimate ones did with just lower ceilings and it's just like yeah dude you, you know the answer to this hop into youtube studio and see if you can figure it out hungry box <laughs> absolute clown take well if you just look at his youtube channel and just go down the videos you know it's almost all about you know there's a thumbnail with hero there's a thumbnail with king Dedede, there's a th- thumbnail of Falco from ultimate there's a video about tweak there's something about banjo kazooie you know like like I mean, it's and, and listen. Let's not be unfair and say he 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 still does make plenty of videos about melee. But you know, you see the way he covered content for Nickelodeon All Stars Brawl and for Multiverses. And as soon as those games, you know, kind of lost the the hype they had going into them, he doesn't really cover them anymore. Why? Because there's not much to gain from that. Because nobody's actively talking about those games. Now, I to be fair, he did just make a video about Nick All-Stars Brawl, but I, I think it's because there's some new characters because coming. New, but, yeah, it's almost like he's running a business and he's going with what's most popular. Right. And, 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 you kidding and me? there's nothing wrong with that. You know, let, let, let's, you know, establish that, that there is nothing wrong with that. It's just ironic that he's asking that question and saying how it makes him sad. It, you know, what's sad is that you're one of the most notable melee players in the scene and you barely make any content about the game. I mean, one thing I'll give Mango credit for is that's what he does. He's made videos about Ultimate too, but he makes melee content. Axe makes melee content, you know? Like, Hungrybox makes it, but not anywhere near as much as he does Ultimate content. And so it's like, my, my guy, you have the answer to this question. You know, I don't know if it's just virtue signaling or what, but I, I think that was honestly the most ridiculous part of this all. Yeah, and, and it's like, that's... It's funny because that that is the point that has stuck with people and has been the chatter of town on Twitter. Um, you know, so it's just like, it's... <laughs> It's funny because no commentary about the alleged $2 billion that they were bringing into the scene. No commentary on the $40,000 brand deal, the Mario on a Papa John's ad sort of thing. Like no commentary on that. Nobody really cares about like that, but it's all about like these silly things. Like you don't think Melee makes as much money as Ultimate? (laughs) Um, And and to kind of tie all this together, I, I think honestly, you know, we can just... You know, if you want to, um, you know, I'd love to hear what you think is the most disappointing part of this all. But I, I think really what what really is just very saddening to me about all of this is that VGBC, what they did, you know, and listen, like I'm not saying they didn't feel like they were being dealt a bad hand or being talked about in a in a or being painted in a bad light by Panda. But I just think as a result of what they did, we're back at square one, where it just smashes back to being this thing where it's still extremely popular. People love watching the tournaments, but nobody's profiting from this. Nobody's making any real money from this. And there's no, there's no more opportunity for this to be a, a life-changing type of career path, you know, well, like it is in other esports like Fortnite or Rocket League or League of Legends, you know, and and we're back at square one. And, and you know, I think VGBC is really the one that comes out of this 
the best or in the best shape because they, they really didn't lose anything. You know, they lost Smash World Tour and I understand they had a lot of money they were going to make from that, but they didn't lose anything in the sense that, you know, now they're just operating as usual. I know they're saying they're they're not going to be able to run some tournaments, but, you know, they, they just posted all of Let's Make Big Moves. So they're still making all the money they are from putting these videos up on YouTube, which I'm sure is a lot because each a lot of their videos get like you know, tens and thousands of views and you multiply that by however many videos they produce. I mean, that that's a lot of money you're making. And so, you know, it, it's like all we've done is is take out any real opportunity of making a ton of money in this while VGBC kind of sits in the same position, you know, as, as they were before, where now we're just making all our money from our YouTube videos and I'm sure they'll start running tournaments again and there won't be any... Um, you know, Nintendo's not going to do anything about it. So well, that's, I don't know. That's, that's, that's the mystery. Will this. Nintendo do something about it? Uh, according I to don't think they will. according to to VGBC, like they're going to start shutting down all their events and you know big scary threats and all that. It, it'll be interesting to see because I think like you know um, they're also I think they're in charge of glitch regen, which is using a lot. Of, you know, it's kind of like propping up the tournament on Fire Emblem and Zelda properties and animations with the characters and all that stuff. And it's just like, dude, you know that that's gonna get under Nintendo skin. Like, there's a reason why all these things use like their own branding that's separate from the Smash IP. But like, you know, yeah, I guess keep po- poking the bear. I guess. Um, so yeah, in in summation, like I don't know what the most disappointing part in this. I'm disappointed in all of it. Like um, from the perspective of the hate mob, not only did they chase their best chance at getting some real money and legitimacy into the scene out of town, but they've also bullied a bunch of pro players and people who were doing the PG stats videos, which are awesome. That was one of my favorite Smash YouTube channels like ever. Um, they bullied all those people out of jobs and you know, there's some firsthand accounts on Twitter that like people were crying and like afraid of their safety if they didn't leave. And it's like, yeah, that till you know, it's like just, yeah, it, it, the hate mob was going after the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. Of course, people were jumping ship. Um, and, uh, you know, from VGBC standpoint, like, was it really relevant to make half of your statement about how Alan was a big meanie and he works for Panda Cup and Panda Cup is what ruined everything. Maybe go attack them, you know? Like, I I think it's it's hard for me to understand a company that has, like, you know, existed on the internet as long as VGBC has to when you make a statement and you implicate someone that you're not inciting a giant hate mob to go after them. I think, I honestly, you know, if I have to make a call on it, and not just speculate, speculate, like, I think that they wanted this to happen. I think they thought like, we're, our circuits going down. Let's take Panda with us. Cause they, they stink. And like, maybe, Pan, maybe Alan deserved that. Maybe he's like the worst person in the world, but what you can't claim anymore from the VGBC side of things is like, Oh, we're for the scene first. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because what was best for the scene was to let the Panda cup run. To, for, to have them get Nintendo closer to the Smash scene and you figure out the rest later. Maybe you try and oust Alan. Maybe you try and, like, work some deal with him. You know, whatever. But, like, what you can't claim now is that your, your, your like, first and foremost priority is, like, the health of the scene because that's out the window now. And you didn't have to do that. You could have just said, 
Smash World Tournament has to be canceled. You, like, honestly, you didn't even have to throw Nintendo under the bus. But you're doing that for a purpose so that people will hopefully, you know, rally behind you, hopefully change Nintendo's mind. And, like, I get it. You know, if it were my business, I'd probably be doing the same thing. If uh, I had felt the way about Alan that you did, I would probably would have done the same thing. But, like, you know, at the end of this all, like, all you have is, like, you get to feel a little bitter because at least Panda went down with you. And, you know... Meanwhile, the the rest of the people in the scene have to pick up the pieces. Meanwhile, you picked up the, a fat check from from Ludwig's fundraiser, and it's like <laughs> fundraise, you know, funds that you're going to use for what? Because if unless you're lying, all your tournaments are now in jeopardy. And and at this point, by pretty much throwing Nintendo under the bus and uh, throwing Panda under the bus, do you think that they're going to license anything from you guys? No, you're cut off. Like you're, you're not, it's like, I don't understand like what, what means you're operating in now. Um, so yeah, just, it just seemed like they, they went scorched earth campaign and I guess they got what they wanted, you know? Although the thing that they banked on was, I think they were probably banking on like, um, I mean, this is like maybe Nintendo will change their mind. And that's the plea that they make at the end of their letter, as if that's, you know, any possibility. Nintendo changed their mind with the Melee tournament at Evo because it was a really bad look. Nintendo shuts down breast cancer fundraiser, has a really bad ring to it. But, like, Nintendo shuts down this, you know, like, especially in this day and age now where Nintendo has a much more positive image. Like, this trended for a day, and now Nintendo Direct is trending. Sorry, guys. Like all the casual people are just moving out. Oh, I wonder if Pokemon's gonna have some DLC this year. Are we gonna hear about it in the Nintendo Direct? And I mean, that's that's their right. Like, you know, why why should they care about like some random dudes trying to you know make the Smash scene big if they don't care about it? But you know, that whole like PR campaign about uh, against Nintendo. That's too hard. You you just can't really run it while Nintendo's on top because like Fire Emblem is going to come out in a week and that's going to be that's going to be the new topic. Like nobody's going to be talking about this, unfortunately. And uh, so, you know, it, it does seem like BTS will probably be fine. And let's make big moves will probably be or um, not. Yeah, the, the guys who ran that tournament, even matchup gaming, like those guys will, will probably keep doing their thing. Hopefully, you know, wish all the best to them. But um, but it does not look like a great future for Smash. And, uh, you know, it's just it was ironic because I, I watched this whole thing via Hungrybox's restream of it. And he goes on to, like, talk about right after how, like, we need to get more money into, like, the next Smash Summit. And it's like, yes, you doofus. You guys just chased all the money out of the scene through through this, like, hate campaign. There, there was all the money and now it's gone. And like, now you want to like, what if we could get Mr. Beast to like fart money on us? Like, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess that's your option now, but like, yeah, I just, and and this is where like, you know, you need someone like Panda. Like, I I don't know if Alan is a, is a liar. If he's manipulative kind of sounds like he was, he was hard to work with at the very least, but you need someone who's going to run it like a, a business, and not like like a um, like a content creation thing, and and like there's a difference because like when you're trying to get big brands and when you're trying to work with you know a company that is a century plus old like Nintendo, the more structure, 
the more buttons involved in everything is going to look better. And, and I know that's not like the vibe of smash, but that's what it needs if it's going to continue to scale, which it probably won't. So, you know, bummer, maybe, maybe another chance will roll around with the release of the next smash game in three to five years. But you know, that's, that's what we're looking at now. I think. Yeah. And the, the, the only thing I'll say to close it up for me is that, um, you know, you and I, or you even said like, I, I don't even blame VGBC for how, like how they went about this, because like you said, you know, you probably would have done the same thing. And I know me, like if I felt like I was being slighted and that's why I was missing out on an opportunity to, to make a lot of money. Yeah. I'd probably do the same thing. But at that point you, you don't get to be a martyr. You don't get to be, the hero in this sense, you know, because at the end of the day, like you, you did what probably 99% of people would do. You had a reaction to something, but, but now you, you, at the same time, you put your own interests in your own business, uh, businesses interests before the communities, because now we went from having something to having nothing because of how it affected you all. So, you know, you, you don't get to come out of this, you know, again, as a, as a martyr or, or whatever. So yeah, it's just all disappointing any way you slice it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's about it on all that stuff. And, uh, you know, unfortunately that's where the smash scene is, is for now. I, I'm very, I am very curious to see what happens with uh, glitch region. And if any other information, comes out for this because it is um yeah it's it's very interesting i think even like there was a vgbc tournament that was like using final fantasies likeness and it's like that that was cool man and a great way to market the tournament but like you know you want to you want to piss off nintendo <laughs> you sure did the speed run for it yeah they, they had a they they had a final fantasy theme um they've done that stuff with the the smash ip and and like you know i i get it dude it's like grassroots what do you have to lose but like apparently you have a lot to lose well do you remember there was even congo saga at one point which you know you and i loving donkey kong country the way we do like that i mean i thought that was awesome but again it's like they even had one i think that was super mario themed um there was a tournament that was done. I think it was before the year before Congo saga. And so, yeah, just, just not the type of approach you want to take with Nintendo. Who's again, as we've said a million times, very particular about how their IP is represented. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's where we stand. So thank you for joining us on this wacky thing. We'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments and, uh, you know, I am, Long live Smash, I guess. Long live Melee. <laughs>